Our scripture reading today comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 9. And as you are getting there and getting ready for that, I want to remind you of the people in Florida. Uh, our uh, lot of the equipment that you have provided is heading that way uh, beginning today, Tuesday. Uh, there's a feeding unit from the other side of the parish. They're all going to the Naples area. So please be in prayer for them. You know how encouraging it will be to see a bobcat on a trailer showing up with people who are ready to help and to bless other people. So please be in prayer about them and thank you for your giving over the years that makes it possible for us to touch other people in their disasters. We're looking at 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9. And here's we're talking about challenges. And we talked about so many things, but here's the biggest challenge. This is the one that I think God wants us to get more than any other. It's the challenge of the church being the church. Because, as Simon Peter said, judgment begins at the house of God. What God is concerned about is, is you and me. What God is concerned about is how we respond. What God is concerned about is how we reach out into a world of hurting and pain and anxiety and touch people with the gospel. It is amazing the words that you read in 1 Peter, it talks a great deal about suffering and about how you respond when you suffer. Here's what we know. Simon Peter was in Rome. He was in prison. It was in the early 60s A.D. Paul and Peter both were in prison in Rome about the same time, and both of them, somewhere around A.D. 63 to 65, were executed by the Romans. And then listen to the words that are said in this passage of Scripture. Because Peter is talking to the people of God. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And listen to the way Peter addresses believers dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. My dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those to do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, 
you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Even the emperor who is going to put Peter and Paul to death. How do we live up to the challenge? And what is the challenge that God wants us to live up to? It is that the church, you and me, this is not the church, you and I are the church. In a few minutes, the church will be scattered and we will go in all kinds of places. Tomorrow, the church will go to school. Tomorrow, the church will go to work. Today, the church will go home and in all kinds of places. And what is the challenge? The challenge is that we would be the church that God wants us to be, that we would be the people of God who live for him and exalt him and honor him. What does Simon Peter tell us about that? How should we be the church? Well, five things that I've identified. The first one is we must know who we are. And Simon Peter tells us who we are. By the way, he got it from the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 19, where God made the covenant with the people of Israel. In Exodus 19, he talks about that covenant. The next chapter, he's going to give them the Ten Commandments. He's going to tell them how to live. And here's what Simon Peter said. You are a chosen people. You are elect of God. It's not that you just stumbled in here. We just happened to go. No, God knew you were going to be here today. God knows what you are doing right now. God knows what you're going through right now. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a kingdom of priests. Priests bring God and people together. And while you shouldn't call me priest, you also should call me a priest. And I should call you a priest because we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's special possession for the purpose of declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness into light. I love that little phrase, a special possession. That's the passage that is, that's the same words that is found in Exodus 19. God says, you are my treasure chest. Now, I'm a, I'm something, I'm not a hoarder. Martha might disagree with that. I hang on to a lot of things. Most of it has no value to anybody else. I mean, it's kind of one of those things. I, my girls one day are going to find that shoebox I've got, and they're going to go through that. And what in the world was daddy thinking? 
I mean, why did he keep this stuff? Sometimes we look around at people and we ask, why did God keep this? We are his, Wayland's terms, shoebox of special possessions. That's who you are. Don't sell yourself short. Don't think of less of yourself. We are the family of God. We are the children of God. We belong to him. He called us out of darkness into light. He called us for a purpose. He set us apart. We are not just here to be here. We are here to spend time with God, to know God, to hear his word, to live according to his word, to be exhorted, to be who he has made us to be. We have to know who we are, and we have to live in the light of his presence. God has called us to be his own special People. There's a second thing that we're to do if we're to be the church that God wants us to be. We must live in holiness. Holiness is not a favored word by the world. Holiness is not even a favored word in the church. And yet God calls us to be holy. In these verses, and by the way, I would really encourage you to read all of 1 Peter. It takes you about 15 minutes, but it'll be well worth your time. Here's what Simon Peter said. As obedient children, don't, don't conform to the evil desires you used to have. Don't conform to your old, sinful, rebellious Nature, you are new creatures. You have been created in God's image by the power of God. Don't conform to that old way of life. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in the ways of the world. But just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy. And then Simon Peter quotes from the Old Testament. For as it is written, be holy because I am holy, God says. What does it mean to be holy? Go back to the passage of Scripture we looked at and, and look at verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires. So to be holy means you, do, you don't do things that God doesn't want you to do. And then look at verse 12. Live such good lives. So holiness means you do the things that God wants you to do. That's my definition of holiness. Holiness means that you do what God wants you to do and you don't do anything that he doesn't want you to do and that you make him the standard. You be holy as he is holy. The goal of the Christian life is that we become like Christ. Now, maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe it's never crossed your mind. God calls us to live like Christ. He is our standard. We're to be holy as he is holy. 
This is what God wants us to do. And when we do so, then we will live such good lives among the pagans. Who are the pagans? Well, the Christians were a small minority at this point. Now, there may have been hundreds of thousands of believers, but a small minority. And the pagans were everyone else. And Simon Peter said, see that you live such a good life before the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that's what they were doing to Paul and Peter, why would they put them them to death? That they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. What did Simon Peter had heard Jesus say it? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And as a result, glorify the Father which is in heaven. Simon Peter, from the word of God, the, the spirit of Jesus gave him those words. Live your lives in holiness. Not just in church, but wherever you go and whoever you see and whoever you're around. The third thing that we're to do is that we're to be love. We must be humble. Isn't it amazing that the Bible calls us to be humble? Because, man, when you start thinking about holiness, hey, you know what I did today? I went to church. I am holy. The pastor said I am holy. And, and you'd never do it that way. And yet the easiest thing in the world is to think that we belong and other people don't belong, that we, we get it right and other people don't get it right. God did not call us. The, the people of Israel, one of their real problems were they thought they were superior to everybody else. So they came up with all of these laws and all of this legalism, and they felt the, the more they kept, the, the better they felt about themselves. Jesus confronted that. But God hasn't called us to be boastful, hasn't called us to be proud. He's called us to be humble. In fact, if you read 1 Peter, you get to chapter 5, listen to these words. He quotes the Old Testament, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up at due time. I I read this a lot of times and listen to the two sides of this. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace and favor to the humble. And every once in a while, I ask this thing in this way, Waylon, which side of this equation are you on? And which side do you want to be on? God opposes the proud. I don't want to be on that side. I want to be on the side, but God gives favor to the humble. So God wants us to understand how we got to where we are. Not because of who we are, because of who he is. We are not exceptional. 
we, the church, we, this local church, we are not exceptional. It is Christ who is exceptional. It is Christ who is our leader. It is Christ who goes before us. It is Christ who leads us and saves us and makes us a new people in him. We, if we're going to be the church, must be humble. We have a grave and fearsome responsibility to be obedient to God and to humble ourselves before him. There's a fourth thing that we're to do. We're to be loving and respectful. Now, I said earlier, this is astounding when you read this, and it is astounding when you read it because Simon Peter and Paul are about to be executed by the emperor, by Nero. There was no more, you you can find plenty of immoral, ungodly, and evil people. There are plenty of those people around. There are plenty of those people who are in places of leadership, and it is all about themselves. There's no one more about himself, more ungodly, more immoral, more evil than Nero the Roman emperor during that time period. But amazingly, Simon Peter said, submit to those in authority. Honor the emperor. And the last verses of that section are these words. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. To fear God means to honor him, to reverence him, to submit to him, to bow before him. Fear God and honor the emperor. Peter said, Let your good works be such that it silences the ignorant speech of foolish people. Now, he didn't tell us what the ignorant speech of foolish people was, but you could almost imagine it. I can't believe what you, someone might say to you, I can't believe what you believe. I can't think that that is right. It makes no sense to me. Simon Peter says, let your good deeds, let your love, let your respect. Isn't it amazing? Where else in the world do you go and you are exhorted to love your neighbor as you love yourself? Where else do you go where you are encouraged to treat everyone with the utmost of respect? Where else do you go in the world where you're taught to love your enemies and to pray for those who have abused you? But as the church, that is God's call in our lives. And there's not a person here from the youngest to the oldest who doesn't know that is hard to do. But we show the power of God 
when we do it. And God wants us to be the church. We're not without spot and blemish, but the day's going to come when we're going to be presented. I, I, I kind of think of it in this way. We're going to be presented to the Father by Jesus. And it's going to be a big day. Can you imagine it? The day is going to come when the saints are going to be taken up into heaven. Paul described it this way. Uh, the Lord is going to descend, the saints with him. And we will not precede those, those believers who have died in the Lord before us, before the return of Christ. But he's going to come and bring them with him, and we're going to be taken with him. And somewhere in that, I don't have all of the sequence down, but here's what Paul said in Ephesians. And that day's going to come when we're going to be presented before the Father without spot and without blemish. But we've got all kinds of spots and all kinds of blemishes. I think it's going to be something like this. Jesus and I don't know how it's going to look. Father, Father, let me present your children redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So the fifth thing that we must do is we must exalt Christ. It is his church, not mine, not yours. It is his. It belongs to him. He created it. He brought it into existence for us to serve him and to give honor and glory to him and, and above all else to put him above all things. The goal of the church is that we would be like Christ, that we would honor him, that we would love our neighbors, that we would pray for those who abuse us, that we would honor and respect others, and that we would show the love of God to the world because God loves the world so much that he gave his only son, the Lord Jesus, to die for us, that one day he might say, Father, let me present my church unto you. And when that day comes, there will never be anything more important than that we exalted Christ and that we sought to be like him. That's who God has called us to be. The challenge for us is that we would be the church that God wants us to be. So go out from here to love God and love people and respect others and to be kind to be tenderhearted, to be compassionate, forgiving as God in Christ has forgiven us. And go out saying, God, I want to be like you. 
which on our own is an absolute impossibility. But with Christ, all things are possible. The only way I know to bring about change in my life, I've, I've done the I will do better part. It didn't work. I've done the I will try harder part. It didn't work. I've tried the I promise you part, and it didn't work. But change in my life comes when I humbly submit myself to God and ask him to do in my life what I cannot do. That's what I want to ask you to do today. I want to ask you to pray and say to God, God, I want to do what you want. And, and be specific. Don't, don't make it worldwide. Think about what you need. What is there in your life that God is convicting you about right this very moment? God, I don't want to do that. Or maybe it's something you ought to be doing. God, I do want to do that. I want to be like Jesus. I want you to do that in my life. I want to call you to pray, to, to pray here at the front, to pray with the pastor, and to say, God, I want you to work in me to make me what you want me to be. I pray that there would be people today who open your life to God, humbly submit yourself to him. God, I give you my life. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. I confess that you are the anointed one of God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Let's pray together, and then it'll be time for you to come and to make those important decisions. God, thank you for giving us your son. God, when there was no hope, you gave us hope. God, when there was no way, you made a way. God, when we, we were in the darkness, you came and revealed the light unto us. God, I pray today that we all will seek you with all of our hearts God, I pray for those who have not yet trusted you, maybe boys and girls, maybe, maybe full-grown adults who have not trusted you, but who would come to you now and say, I confess that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God.